Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Go Church, can we put our hands together and welcome everybody who's streaming today. I just want to take a minute. We love you guys, praying for you. Thank you so much for joining us live here at Go Church. Let me ask you a question. How many of you growing up played sports? Can I see a sporty hand in the air? You played sports growing up? How many of you remember when you were a young kid playing sports, maybe you had a parent that would cheer too loud? Too much enthusiasm. Too, too, did you have one of those parents? I want to see. Can I ha- yes? So Becky and I, we've gone full circle with this. So growing up, my mom, super vocal, who happens to be actually here today. Can we give my mom and dad a little round of applause? All the way from Oklahoma hanging out for our daughter Sydney's 19th birthday, which happened yesterday. <laughs> she is stunned. She's sitting here like, talking about me? So my mom, notorious cheer, good, but loud. So Becky and I have gone full circle. We've gone from being the kid where the parents are cheering too loud to being the parents that cheer too loud, only we're unashamed about it. It's like, we've paid for this. This is our form of entertainment. Entertain us. So we have fun with it. So sports, Becky, she played basketball growing up. I played basketball, football. Our boys, Ethan, Levi, they've swam. They're swimming now. They've played baseball and probably... Out of all the sports, football, baseball, we like watching basketball. Basketball is probably our favorite sport. So when the boys are playing basketball, kind of 12, 13 years old, they were intense. They'd have fun. But let me tell you, the most intense person in the gym during a game, my wife, Becky. I mean intensity in the eyes. I'm not trying to have fun, talk to her. I'm like being ignored. Asking questions, ignored. Telling joke, ignore. Becky is just, she's zeroed in, man, on the game. Watching the game, she's like, it's a game. Leave me alone. Cheering on my kids. You know, if Ethan or Levi would hit a great outside shot, three-pointer, Becky would be cheering. If somebody fouled the kids too hard, she'd be like gripping the aluminum bleacher, ready to crush the bleacher and the child. So something that we notice, especially with my son Ethan, Ethan tends to be a little hard on himself like me, if he makes a mistake or something happens, it just hangs on him for a little while. Now, I remember sitting with Becky, we were close, one of the great things about basketball, close enough to see it, and for better or for worse, close enough to hear every little thing that's happening. And so my son, Ethan, he goes for a shot, misses a shot, and he says out loud, I am horrible, horrible. So he's like backpedaling back, and he's just like trash talking himself. He's like, I'm horrible. This is a stupid shot. Trash. I'm trash. I'm horrible. And as a dad, I'm like, oh, no, we can't, we can't have this. Like, we can't have him struggling with the mental side of the game. Get to learn how to push through these things and be nice to yourself, believe in yourself. So after that game, we started working on this together. You know, father and son, son, you got to learn how to be nice to yourself. got to learn how to believe in yourself. Shooter's got to shoot. Am I right? A shooter's got to shoot. So we're working on this, getting better, getting better, getting better. The interesting thing about all of it is the mental side of sports, the mental skills of sports. It's easy to recognize the mental dynamic in an environment like that. You know, if you don't believe you can make that shot, if you don't believe it, don't believe it, don't believe it, don't believe it, the next time you shoot, what's probably going to happen? You're just going to miss. 
Like if you don't really believe it's going to go in, it's not going to work. The adult version of that, say you're in your 40s like me, you go to the golf course, you're trying to putt, you've got a clutch putt. This is for all of the marbles. If you're like, it's going to leave it short, I'm going to leave it short, it's going to lip out, I just know I'm going to miss it, I'm going to blow it right past. I did it the last six times. I mean, the mental side can mess with you, but it's not just in sports. The mental side of our life is huge, and I think that we underestimate the power and the value and how influential the mental skills, the mental side of our relationship with Jesus is. It doesn't just happen with 12-year-olds on a basketball court. That same kind of mental weight or distraction can affect your performance at work. It can affect the relationships you care most about. Maybe you've been married for a while, and for a while, maybe once a week, there's like a passionate discussion, otherwise known as a fight. And it just kind of happens. It's just like every week is just how it's going to be. We're just going to be this couple that like every week there's a blow up. We sense it coming, sense it coming, finally have a date night. Date night is the night. We're close enough, long enough where we're just going to fight about it. We're just going to fight. Maybe it's a parent. I am just going to be the parent that is frustrated by my teenager or my teenager doesn't like to be with me. I don't like to be with them. I don't know. This is weird. It can affect relationships. It can affect work. It can affect your relationship with God. If you believe in your head that this relationship really has no future or I'm just going to be this way. I'm just a person, you know, my dad lost his temper. I'm just going to lose my temper. My family's like this. I'm going to be like this. I've always been addicted to this. I've never been able to shake it. It's just the way it is. I've got to learn to just live with it. It is what it is. I want to encourage you today. Just like in sports, your past doesn't define you. Your mistakes don't define you. It's how you bounce back. So today in Go Church, I want you to remember this, that your past And your mistakes do not define you. Even though we've all blown it and we've made mistakes in our life, in Christ, our past doesn't define us. Our maker defines us. And in him, in Christ, you have hope, you have future, you have a life. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good he is in you. Do you believe that, Go Church? Today, I want you to think about what you think about. The mental side of living out and walking your faith. Is your mind in love with Jesus? Think about what you think about, your thought life. What do you think about? What do you fixate on? So today we're going to get into this. Grab your communication card. Looks just like this. Flip it over. Right, right across the top are one big Thing, it is this, my life moves in the direction of my strongest thoughts, our thought life. My life moves in the direction of my strongest thoughts. Francis Schaeffer wrote in his book, True Spirituality, and the books that I reference today, I encourage you to just purchase. Just like get on your phone right now, Amazon, ebook, just get them. It'll be worth it. His book, True Spirituality, he writes this. True spirituality in the Christian life is basically a matter of our thoughts. Everyone say thoughts. Everyone say thoughts. True spirituality always begins on the inside in our thought world. The external is just the expression or the result of the internal. 
Those things seen outwardly in our lives are always the product of what was first thought. Everyone say thought. Therefore, thoughts are primary. They're central. When was the last time you really thought about what you think about? What runs through your mind every day at some point? What if the thoughts that would continually run through your mind, you know, once a week, twice a week, once a day, three times a day, were on display in this screen behind me? That'd be weird, right? It'd be like, yeah, that's going to be embarrassing. Thought life is weird. I want you to consider if Jesus is the Savior of your heart, is he not also the Savior of your mind? If we are submitting our life to him, are we submitting just parts or everything in its totality? I want us to get into spiritual discipline. So last week we started this series called The Life You've Always Wanted. We are exploring habits that God can use to strengthen us. The exercising of these habits are not what changes you. God changes you and can use some of these habits to help do that. So today we're going to focus on meditation and our thought life and explore this idea, is our mind in love with Jesus? John Ortberg, write this down, wrote a book, The Life You've Always Wanted. I like this book. It's kind of like spiritual disciplines for normal people. And I encourage you to buy it. Just get it today. He defines a spiritual discipline this way. Spiritual discipline, any activity that can help me gain power to live life as Jesus taught and modeled it. And that's part of our mission, right? Here at Go Church, we say it every week. To live local, go global, and Jesus, very good. To live as Jesus taught and modeled it. Richard Foster wrote in his classic book, now this is the classic spiritual discipline book, The Celebration of Discipline, just order it. He breaks down the 12 disciplines in this way. The inward disciplines, meditation, which we are focusing on today, prayer, fasting, and study, the outward disciplines, simplicity, solitude, maybe write these down, submission, service, corporate disciplines. Now, all my students who are in the house today, corporate meaning the things that we would do together or the ones that we would practice as a team, corporate disciplines, confession, the idea of confessing our sins one to another, we can be built up that way. Worship, we're already doing that today. Guidance, learning from the Bible, we're doing that today as a team. Celebration, we talked about this yesterday in Growth Track, which by the way was full and fun. Adding new members, new Go Team members, can we give it up for them? They're here today, some of them. Love y'all. It's a full day. Today I want us to gain some understanding on how meditation can affect our spiritual formation. I think we count out our brains sometimes, and we think spirituality is just something you feel, or it's just something you experience. You start it, then you stop it, and then you go on to the next thing. What if it's more designed like a lifestyle, where spirituality is not just something you do Sunday at 1030 to 1130? It's not just something you do on Christmas, Easter. It's not just something you do before you eat. You know, we normally pray, okay, let's pray, let's eat. Any of these things can become just powerless rituals. I mean, you could follow all the rules, but miss the connection. So it's not just about meditating as the act. It's what God can do in our heart if we will build a space for him to change and to breathe within us. For us to expand our life and say, God, I am never too busy for you. 
never too busy for you. Even in the middle of the chaos of my life, I invite you in. I want to create some space. I want to learn how to meditate. So today, remember, my life moves in the direction of my strongest thoughts. I want us to read from Paul, the Apostle Paul. So he wrote a big part of the New Testament. And Paul, very interesting guy, he started off as a Christian killer, met Jesus, life was changed, turned into one of the most prolific writers of the New Testament. So Paul writes several things about the mind. And in this book, this chapter we're about to read in Philippians, it's not just what he writes that's interesting to me. It's where he writes it. I'm not going to ask how many of you have been in prison before. (laughs) But he writes this from prison. Now, I don't mean like he was caught, you know, in tax evasion or something. I mean, he was in jail for his faith. And from jail, not a fun place, he writes this book that is joy embodied. I mean, it is, it is this book of hope. It is this book of strength. It is this book that is optimistic, written from a place that is not very optimistic. Now, if I think about myself in a place like that, I would probably be like, oh me, oh my, crying about it on social media. Does anybody have a recommendation for a lawyer? I need to get out. Here's Paul, chapter four in Philippians. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Everybody say fix. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Fix your mind on these things. I think it's interesting he doesn't say never notice the other, but he's saying fix your mind on these things. It doesn't mean you're oblivious to the other, but you're fixing your mind on one side of this. In the message version, it says it this way. Summing it up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst. In our relationships with the people that we love, how easy is it to just recognize the mistake? Like there's somebody in your life that you love that does nine things great, but it's the one thing that they do that just scrapes on your nerve, and that's the thing that you talk about, that you bring up, that you complain about, you shine a spotlight on it. The other nine things go unnoticed. Noticing the best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Paul is saying, fix your minds on these beautiful things. So I want you to consider what you think about. Now we're going to try something that we've never done here. I think it'd be fun. Take your communication card, and you've been taking copious notes. I've seen you. I mean, you're just burning it up over here, okay? Filling it all up. If you're here today with somebody that you know well, could be a best friend, childhood friend, spouse, kid, family member. If you're sitting by somebody that knows you pretty good, I want you to swap cards with them in this moment. If you're here by yourself, just rock it yourself. It's fine. Fill it out for yourself the best way that you can. So when we do this, this is on the scale, these little blanks we're going to fill in. I want you to answer for yourself or for the person that you love and I hope loves you after we're done. Fill it out 
as you really think you are, not how you intend to be, but as accurate as possible. Now remember, if you're filling out for somebody else, you probably will have to go home with them after church, so be gentle, okay? So first one, write this down. On the left side, write down worried. On the other side, write down peaceful. So worried, I don't mean evil, but this person is a little bit of a worrier. Stressed out, anxious, nervous, maybe they worry about health, money, fill in the blank. Or are they more peaceful? You know, they find a calm. They find a calm in God even in the middle of the chaos of life. Now, I want you to circle a number on where you think they fall between the two. Second one, write this down. Do they tend to be, are they trending more negative? Are they trending more positive? Negative. You know, it's easy for them to see what's wrong in other people. Now, the negative people in the room would probably be like, I don't see what's negative. I'm just being honest. I'm just objective. They're just horrible. They're quick to see what's wrong, quick to see what needs to be improved. Words are a little bit more negative or positive, you know, kind of believing the best, not naive, not stupid, not weirdly optimistic, but tend to believe the best. The last one, write this down, worldly or eternal. Worldly, maybe think like their thoughts drift more to material things, like they will think about clothes, image, perception, money, house, just stuff. Not that stuff is evil, but you just tend to fixate more on those things than eternal things. You know, maybe what God wants you to do, praying for people, things like that. I want you to think about the tension there. Now, before you you give it back, I do want you to know I'm opening up additional hours this week for marriage counseling. (laughs) All right, can I swap it back? Take a look. As you swap it back, say, I love you. I really do. I love you. I don't like Pastor Nick, but I love you in this moment. Maybe you're the kind of person that I have tended to be at times in my life where I will blame my circumstances for my attitude. Like when your parents and your kids are very, very young and you're not sleeping well, and it's like if my kid would just sleep, if they they would just sleep, I could be a non-demonic person. You know, if my kid would just learn how to talk, we get past this, what, what do you want? I'm trying to interpret screams and grunts and bodily noises. Like, if they would just learn how to talk, and then later it's like, if they would just learn how to shut up, then I wouldn't be so cranky. You know, if my husband would just, then I'd be fine. If my wife would just stop, things would work. You know, if work were just more like, if my boss would just stop being a, person in need of the Lord. (laughs) Are you an excuse finder for your behavior and your mental game? Think about where your mind drifts. Does it drift to the negative? Does it drift to the ugly, not the beautiful? Not the noble, not the godly, not what could be, but the ugly, the annoying, the obvious things, and you just can't hardly not obsess about it. Even in times in life when you know 
a situation is probably going to be stressful or annoying, you still can't get your mind out of that place. Like, you know, I just want to run into Target, grab one or two things, and check out, and you get there, and there are 30 lines, right? None of them are open. But what line is open? Self-checkout from purgatory is open. And it's like you get in that, and it takes forever. So for a while, because patience is not my strong point, I would intentionally do things to stretch myself to see if I could just get less annoyed. So for about a month, I would go into a place like Target or into some kind of retail environment. I would pick the longest line, and I would just get in that line and see if I would not turn into the devil. You know, not get anxious, not just get like frustrated, not like, you know, like ah, deep, deep breathing, a phone. <clears throat> yeah, you just you slide, slide the cart, yes. It's a chip. I can see it from here. It's got a chip. Don't slide. Stick it in. You can tap. You're a tapper, but never mind. All opportunities for prayer. I want you to think about what you think about. Here's the deal. The one person that will never surprise with our thought life is God. God already knows. And guess what? He already loves you. Some of you thought you were about to feel really guilty. Like God already knows and you're about to pay. What God gets is God gets generous. He sees us today and he knows and what I'm hoping that we realize is that when we live a life where our thoughts trend this way, we live a life where our mind drifts consistently away from the godly beautiful things in our life. We don't see the nine good things in the lives of the people that we love and that God loves, by the way. We notice and fixate on the one thing, the one thing, the one thing. We're just looking around in Target for the one thing. Oh, I just knew it. I knew they wouldn't have a line open. Now look, traffic this, work that, this person, just always looking, looking, and finding the negative. When you live like that, this is what happens to you. You lock yourself down. Now, it's been a while since I've been in cuffs. <laughs> These are not comfortable, okay? I would imagine I could go through life and figure out a way to be fairly functional. You know, I could maybe drive and shift. I could get things. I could do water. I could cook. It might even be good for the golf game, keep the hands together on maybe on plane here. I could build up calluses. Maybe I could wear them so long that I wouldn't notice it sometimes, but I'm still trapped. I'm still locked up. And no matter, I mean, I'm not strong enough to break these. Think about it metaphorically. We are locked up and we are living a life that is soaked in sinful thought life, heavy thought life, negative thought life. If our mind is not in love with Jesus, if it's supposed to start from the inside and go to the outside, if it's not Jesus-centered, we are captive and I can't break myself free I can't get another degree and break myself free I can't earn more money I can't get that title elevation and break myself free it's not like another zone that I can graduate into that makes me smart enough strong enough accomplished enough enough social media followers to break myself free from this lifestyle I need to be set free from somewhere outside of myself so I borrowed these cuffs from Detective Harvey 
and Josh. Josh Harvey, can you help me? Josh, our wonderful acoustic guitar player, can we please give him a round of applause? Also, one of our valued members of, you, you do have it, right? I, no, you, you got it, okay, all right. You're messing me with that, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. These are, these are not comfortable. Darren, if you would, bring up the scripture, and I want us to start reading this as we think about. As we think about this. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly, I messed that up totally. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Not just reading the right blog, or being around the right people, or going through the right rituals. The truth will set you free. God's word will set you free. The spirit of God will set you free. We cannot set ourselves free. We have to be freed. So maybe you're here and you're feeling the tension of like, man, sure, I wouldn't like to be like this. I'm trying to change, trying to be more like Jesus. Don't look inside of yourself. This is not an exercise of self-help. It's not an exercise of self-discipline. This is an exercise of surrender. Saying, God, I need help. Will you come and set me free? Some of you may have walked in here today like this, locked up. Your family members know it. Those close to you know it. Those you work with know it. The way that you lean, the way that you think, they see it, it's locked up. You don't have to leave this way. God can do this. But I want to encourage you, it is not going to happen with just changing of behavior. It's going to happen by the truth of God getting into your life. And Jesus Christ, through the Bible says, when the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. That Jesus come for freedom. You don't have to live bound. You don't have to. You don't have to walk out of this place that way. So how can we start? How can we do this? How can we take a step? We're going to get practical here. I want you to grab your communication card. Write this down. So one big action. I am calling you out for action today. Write this down. I will meditate on one scripture this week. Everybody say one. I did not say 100. I did not say two. Just one. I will meditate on one scripture this week. And let's talk about meditation. Meditation is not something new. It is something ancient. It is not Eastern meditation where you're seeking to empty your mind. The kind of meditation we're talking about is a God-centered, Bible-centered, Christ-centered meditation where you're seeking to fill yourself with his truth. Fixating, thinking, focusing on those kinds of thoughts. Foster says this, what happens in meditation is that we create the emotional and spiritual space which allows Christ to construct an inner sanctuary in the heart. Meditation is not a single act, nor can it be completed the way one completes the building of a chair. It is a way of life. 
you will be constantly learning and growing as you plumb the inner depths. It's ancient. The idea of meditation is thousands of years old. In fact, God tells an upcoming next generation leader in the Old Testament, Joshua, to do this very thing. God told him to meditate. Let's look at this. This is Joshua 1, 8. Joshua is taking over leadership from a man named Moses. The people that Joshua is leading, the children of Israel at this time, millions of people, okay? We're not talking about two or three folks. We're talking about massive population, lots of pressure, lots of expectation, and you're following up the guy who, you know, parted the Red Sea, Ten Commandments guy, like you're next up. You're in the batting order. You're following that grand slam. So he's nervous. I think he's feeling isolated. I think he's feeling a bit intimidated by the task. So this is God speaking to Joshua, and look what God says. All of my leaders in the house, I want you to look at this. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Now, book of the law, that would have been to Joshua the writings that Moses wrote. The Bible as we know it, it didn't exist at this time. This would have been the early books that Moses put together. Keep this book of the law on your lips, which means never stop talking about it. Never cease to communicate the truth of the book of the law. And then look, it says meditate on it day and night. Not just Christmas, Easter, Sunday, 1030 to 1130. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Careful to do everything written in it. Doesn't that sound familiar? Almost like the verse that we read earlier in John. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I would guess most of you want to be that. Prosperous and successful. The Bible tells you how to do this right here. Never let the word of God stop coming out of your mouth, which means out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The word of God is here. It can't stop itself from being here, talking about the truth of God, the word of God, meditating on it day and night. Now, some of you, when you think about meditation, you know, maybe you've already taken yourself to some like lotus position, om, like fingers, mm, you know, we're, we're not there in a sense, meditation is what you think it is. It is a thinking. It is a pondering. It is a dwelling. It is musing. It is concentrating on something mentally. But if you were to break this word down, do a little word study, it also means proclamation. So it's not just pondering. It's also proclaiming at the same time. And isn't that interesting when it comes to the word of God? How this is tied to never letting it cease coming out of your mouth, meditating on it day and night. There are times in our spiritual lives when we need to ponder, we need to soak, we need to be at peace, we need to really deeply consider, and there are times when we need to open our mouth and proclaim the word of God in our life. The literal meaning of this word has this element of, and I quote, roaring like a lion. Have you ever heard a lion really roar? Pee your pants. That's what it's like. I mean, it is like scary, loud, intimidating, overwhelming sound. I want you to think about this because in your life there are times 
when the enemy might come, or your mind might even come and say, you know what, God doesn't love you. He seems to love everybody else, but he doesn't love you. When you're in these kinds of moments, you can say, you know what, hold on, pause, wait a minute. I'm going to the word of God. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I know that God loves me because he's given something for me. He loves me. He loves the whole world. That's a lie. I'm going to proclaim that truth. When you're in the middle of a sickness or somebody that you love is in the middle of a sickness, you can proclaim the truth or the word of God out of your mouth that by his stripes I am healed, that I can be healed because of the sacrifice that Christ made for my life. I don't have to be stuck in sickness of mind or emotion or physically stuck in sickness for life. I don't have to live there. Maybe you're easily overwhelmed by anxiety, stress, fear. In that moment, what if it triggered scripture? When you feel afraid, so many times you've quoted the word of God, it just becomes natural. You're not thinking about it. You just start quoting the scripture. God didn't give me a spirit of fear. I know this is not from God. What I'm feeling right now is not from God. God has given me a spirit, a power and love and a sound mind. Power, love, self-control. I can be measured. God has given me power. I don't have to yield to fear. I don't have to live in fear. When you start to develop these habits of meditation where it's a lifestyle, not an event, you can multi-track these things at the same time. Go all the way back to Ethan playing basketball. Go all the way back to your experience where if you're a shooter, there's a time in your life where you're thinking about your form and I've got to, you know, drive up from my legs and I'm going to make sure my elbow stays in. I'm going to tuck it. I don't want it to flare. I make sure my follow-through's good. You're thinking about too many things as you shoot. As you play and play and play and play, you become more natural and more disciplined in habits. You don't even think about that, do you? You just shoot your shot. You're not thinking about technique. You just shoot your shot. That's the way it is spiritually. Allowing God to take these habits to form and train and stretch us, it takes us to a place of where we can be automatic. It's not like, hold on, I gotta flip on my spiritual switch. One moment, you just are. And it comes with time. And it comes with him transforming. Imagine how your life could be. Your kids would notice, your spouse would notice, the teams that you lead would notice. If you started to be a person that naturally saw the beautiful, instead of fixating on the ugly. You gave some praise and some credit for the nine things, not just fixating on the one. You see God potential in every person, even when they get on your last human nerve. As you're standing in that epically long self-checkout line, you can start doing things like, God, I just undercover right now to start praying for this person. Let's just pray for their family. Let's pray for their situation. Let's provide for them. Start praying your way down the line. Start shifting your perspective. Your relationships will change. The way you feel will change. Here's what we're going to do. Today, I want to ask everybody, grab your phone. We're going to get practical. Grab your phone. And I want you to open it up. On my home screen... I have the Go Church app because I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a Jesus follower. 
So if you have the Go Church app, open it. If you don't, go to the app store and search Go Church app. Big surprise, it will be orange logo. It will say go. Download it. So open up the app. You will see right in the latest section an area called Godly Declarations. This is where I want you to get the one scripture. We've created a resource. These are 10 statements that you can say if you are a Jesus follower. You believe in God, you believe in the Bible, you can say these statements with confidence and faith. There's a scripture attached to it. I want you to pick one out today and say, I'm going to memorize that scripture. When stress hits you, let it be a trigger. I'm going to quote that scripture. I'm gonna think about it for 10 seconds. When all I am seeing is the one thing, but I'm missing the nine, I, I'm feeling I'm missing the nine. I'm gonna quote that scripture. I'm gonna think about it for 10 seconds. When the person cuts you off, I am going to quote that scripture and I am gonna think about it for 10 seconds. What if you got to the place where you actually let somebody in front of you in the self-checkout line? That's when you know you're a real Jesus follower. Hide this in your heart. Allow God to transform your mind. Transform your heart. Quote it, think about it. Quote it, think about it. One scripture. When fear hits you, quote it, think about it for 10 seconds. Let a lifestyle emerge. Let's pray. God, help us to be moldable clay in your hands. God, not to be stiff, not to be rigid, not to be stubborn. May God help us to be pliable, clay in your hands. It doesn't matter our age. God, it doesn't matter how long we've been following you. Help us to be soft and humble and teachable, coachable. God, help us to transform our mind. If you're here today, I want you to know this. Jesus loves you enough. He proved it on the cross. The Bible says that if you will confess your sins, if you believe that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you'll be saved. And I want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer of salvation right now. This is the most important decision you can make. If you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the leader of your life, pray this with me out loud right now. Say, Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I'm making you the Lord and the leader of my life. And I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.